Wow. So that is amazing. He literally put on the fake mustache and he's like <laughs> undercover bossing it. Damning <laughs> people. What me scammer? No, no, I'm just uh, I just designed the product. Uh, McDonald, not the Boaz. <laughs> oh yes, oh oh yes, me, that's me. That used to be me. Yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Crypto Basic Podcast. My name is Kareem Brook, and I'm here with my co-host, Brent Feldman. Hey, hey, hey. How's it going this morning, Brent? It's going it's it's going awesome. Oh. Is it morning? I don't think it's morning for either one of us. It would have been for Adam if he was here. It's but... morning for somebody listening somewhere. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so you're listening to our flagship Friday episode. Of course, this is where we cover cryptocurrency news events surrounding the space, little economics, a little drama, and lots of scams as usual. But first, uh, we like to kick things off with our rapid fire section, right? These are the headlines that we're not necessarily going to get too deep into, but we thought you might like to listen to. And Brent, since Adam is not here. Right. He's at uh, he's at the Tron convention. Uh, where they are talking all things Tron, which is why we have this first story. Now, he was up until the wee hours of the morning doing his business in L.A. If you're in L.A., look up Games and Grooves. It's pretty cool. They do, like, gaming tournaments, plus, like, they have, a like, a techno DJ there that'll, or, or EDM, I don't know what the right term for that is, but they have a DJ, and he plays electronic music, and they do cool stuff, like Cornell tournaments, Mario Kart tournaments, like, whatever the... The case may be it's a cool little combination games and grooves, so check them out. Damn, man. I just got to miss more episodes. It's yeah, yeah. He's, <laughs> he's you every single time. <laughs> All right, so hit me up with some rapid-fire news, Brent. Okay, so like I said, Adam's not here, so somebody's got to talk about it. Pornhub has implemented Tether, and since PayPal has been messing with the Pornhub models, which we did cover on one of the episodes, PayPal essentially is saying, like, we're not going to work with you anymore. So the Pornhub models have had to use alternative payment systems. Well, they've now implemented the Tether coin, which is a huge punt, in my opinion. I thought it was a huge punt when it was just Tether. It's actually even worse, Kareem. They are using the Tron version of Tether. They're not even using regular Tether. I didn't know Tron had a Tether. I don't know if it's just like a like a wrapped thing like Ethereum would be or something. I don't know how it works but if you take everything about tether and then you add it to tron i don't need to know anything more like it's already shit and then you add (laughs) tron and it just gets more shit like that takes my two biggest enemies together and is like don't don't worry and then pairs them with one of my favorite things which is porn so (laughs) i'm really torn what does craig wright have to say about this story (laughs) (laughs) he he doesn't care anymore he got his keys so he's fine (laughs) Okay. Which oh yeah, he definitely didn't. His lawyer released a statement after we covered that last week, which I didn't put anywhere on here. He definitely did not get any private keys. His lawyer definitely <laughs> made sure. was, We are all shocked. Super shocked. I can't believe that yeah, it wasn't private. They got keys. me. I, I really thought maybe almost hmm. worked. Hmm. That bonded courier that he's been talking about. Tell me about Brave, one of our favorite browsers. <laughs> okay. So also Brave released a test on their mobile app where they were exp- they were showing that it loads three to six times faster on sites using 
one half to one third of the memory and data that are required to to load those sites. So that's pretty huge. They didn't do it on the desktop platform. I suspect Brave is either slightly slower or the same speed since it's basically operating off of Chrome anyway on webs on your web, your desktop browser. I don't know how it works on the mobile, but faster is better. And of course, I've get I I get the little notifications for the ads all the time. Swipe them out of the way, collect my Brave, and I'm good to go, or my Bat, and I'm good to go. So I like it. Uh, Kareem, it's a new year, and this next story I thought was really important because every new year we have. Okay this story uh, iota <laughs> released a new coordicide white paper <laughs> okay <laughs> this is and this is where they let me guess they explain how by a given date they will have removed the coordinator correct i don't know if they're still playing the given date names their mm-hmm. game i think they're just releasing new coordicide stuff each year as it happens and then, then they'll update it again because months ago they finally gave us the this is our plan. This is how the coordinator is going to be removed. Now, if you don't know what this is, we've harped on this a lot, but the IOTA blockchain is decentralized in the sense that it would work if they didn't have this extra thing keeping it together, which is the coordinator. And the coordinator is controlled by the team. And the team has shown plenty of times that, well, one of them anyway, has shown that they're pretty immature. So IOTA seems like a cool project. Seems like something we'd be really interested in. I'll be really interested in it when that coordinator is gone. Until then, I mm-hmm. probably am not touching it. And it's a running joke that they keep saying when we started this podcast, when we did the one-on-one, if you go back and listen to the one-on-one on IOTA, we talk about how that coordinator is going to be gone in a few months. And then maybe we'll change our opinion on the decentralization of it. That episode was recorded two years ago, something like that. And so we don't see it being gone anytime soon. Yeah. And just to be clear, our criticism in large part comes from some of the responses that they had when people criticize the fact that the coordinator was still around, they kind of made it seem like, I don't I mean, I'm just saying it's a difficult problem, right? So, yeah. And they created more difficulty on themselves by doing things like creating their own code and other kind of, you know. Ro- yeah, rolling their own ro- uh, rolling yeah. their own crypto and all that Security stuff. So, algorithm, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of pseudo concerns there. And if somebody was acting completely in the best interest of the community and completely in the best interest of the coin, they would probably feel like criticism against the coordinator is unfounded. If somebody was operating without the best interest of the coin and the community at heart, and they were only operating in their own best interest, they would still feel that criticism of the coordinator was unfounded. So they're always going to feel like they shouldn't be criticized for that, while at the same time realizing that they should probably move forward. And uh, yeah, so it it makes sense. Just don't worry about what people say. Worry about what they do. And when that coordinator is gone, it might be a really interesting project to check out. There are a lot of cool things about it. So we've always been very careful to shit on the team and not the project. So that's that's that. This is pretty good rapid fire, though. I'm gonna be honest, because we're, we're only <laughs> pulling up on like seven minutes here, and normally we're like fifteen. This is the last story. So the last one is remember that Telegram token sale where the the yes. ton or whatever or the gram. I don't remember what they called it, but they they had that thing where they told investors if we haven't released this thing by this date, we're gonna refund you. They actually did it. So mm-hmm. I know that that's kind of not a. That's what we would hope. We would hope that. That's the way things are when when a company says they will do it, that they actually do it. The result is that 90% of the time, that's not what happens. So it is nice to report that somebody actually did what they said they were going to do. I don't know what's going on with their network. I don't know if this coin will ever be released or if they've pretty much been shut down by the SEC. But for now, at least they're doing things right. They are not a shitty scam company. 
Yeah. And Brent, I wonder how much here can be applied to the fact that you're just dealing with an existing company that has, you know, like a lot more to lose than right. Yeah. The ethereum, like, yeah. And and I think they escrowed it. So no, yeah. And look, they have assets, they have cash flow. If there's a contract that says this is the investment contract, they could be taken to court for something real, right? Like Mm -hmm. we can't compare that to, let's say a startup that uses all the seed money to, you know, pay themselves salaries and all this stuff. Then when they can't release, they're just like, oh, okay, well, you know, we, the money doesn't exist. We file for bankruptcy, company's dissolved. Nobody can go after anything. So it's just different incentive structure. Speaking of which, I wanted to update our Red Flags episode. I forgot about this. So as part of the Rapid Fire, we released an episode called Red Flags where we talk about cost.io's situation. And it was about a half hour episode. It was a quick episode. It was a new format. Honestly, we didn't do a whole lot of prep for that. I think we did a good job based on what we had. And I like the format. We've gotten some great feedback on the format. Interestingly, I said, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to post this in the costs.io subreddit. And their subreddit was part of the issues that we were having and the censorship, right? So one of their users gave me a great you know, four-paragraph response where he was he actually clearly listened to the whole episode. He had his gripes, but he even said, like, you guys have what sounds like a good podcast. I wish you had done this thing this way. And we had a little bit of a discourse back and forth, but that was because one of the moderators hadn't seen it yet. So as soon as one of the moderators saw it, he locked the post and then told me I could reach out to him uh, if I wanted to. So I did. I, I, I added him on telegram. I reached out to him. He is a part of the team. So one of the things that we weren't sure of was whether the moderators that were doing the things uh, were part of the team. He was part of the marketing team for cost.io and when I posted it on the cryptocurrency subreddit, one of the responses was, I sure hope you guys have one of the members of their team on when you're wrong. And you'll notice that that episode, we always do a little cold open. Most of the time it's funny. This time we put our cold open was very, was us saying, if we're wrong, we're going to eat crow like for 30 seconds. It's, it's kind of funny, but at the same time we're saying, look guys, we have no problem coming out and telling you like we were wrong about the red flags here. We don't know yet because they have. It's been only two of the three weeks, or one and a half of them, or something. There's also a little bit more information there where they are apparently part of the reason they shut down is they're merging with another exchange, and there was another investor or something like that. So, you know, one of the things that a struggling insolvent company will do oftentimes is go find another investor or a scam company. Both will happen. They'll go find another investor where they can show them it looks like they're making a good investment, and then they don't, or they do and you know, they've, I feel like they've already done enough damage to their reputation. Whatever that investor was going to sink into them or has sunk into them is has tanked. Funnily enough, one of the people that was had an issue said, you guys didn't talk about the price at all. And I was like, well, yeah, obviously, you know, it's the show like we don't. <laughs> it's a running joke that I asked Kareem what price of Bitcoin is because we don't know. Like, we definitely don't know what the price of cost is. <laughs> Jesus. So um, anyway, it was a cool, cool episode. One update on that. Now, I did I did tell the person I really want somebody from the team on the show. I would love it if they came on and talked to us because they haven't talked to anybody else on Twitter. Uh, apparently, they're making statements in their telegram and that kind of thing. But the biggest public facing pieces are not there. Would love to have them on and interview. I don't think it's going to happen because uh, the discourse so far uh, has been me asking, you know, will you come on the show? I won't edit the episode. I won't take out the ums. I won't do anything. I will just post it. No editorialization. It's fair. You'll be in a you'll be in a situation where it is adversarial only because we have a bias. But we will release everything that you say, and we will uh, will be professional the entire time. And my response to all that was, "What can I do for you?" 
what can I answer? And I'm like, no, I want you on the show. <laughs> I, I, I want to ask questions. Yeah, I mean, I can ask you here and then tell people, but I can fake screenshots or whatever. I want your voice. I, anyway, I don't think it's going to happen, but it was an interesting, interesting little wrap up to that situation. So, all right. So <laughs> we'll keep that'll be a tentative possibility to hear that. Yeah, uh, but I five percent. Uh, <laughs> it is a higher possibility that somebody on the team will try to come on and do damage control than they'll actually release people's funds back to them. <laughs> but uh, again, it's being active on Twitter or being active on social. It does isn't an exoneration. We saw with the substratum community, they were active on social and posting videos all the time. But what they would do in the videos is talk about how they're trying to day trade to keep their funds alive. So right, right, right. Maybe it's better that if you're in a situation where you're doing things that aren't on the up and up that you don't post. Speaking of day trading or trading at all, there is a, apparently a new proposition about how we're going to tax profits. You want to talk okay, about Okay, I want to talk about that, but it's time to throw in the ad. Oh, make we, it happen. We messed up. You're right. That is That is going to be fun, but... I got to talk about wild foods. I haven't sent you guys your keto bars yet. I got to do that. I need to get on that because I want you guys to taste these keto bars. They are awesome. Wild foods released a keto bar, which apparently on the last episode, I said there was no sugar in it and there is. It's not an ingredient, but I guess it's in one of the other ingredients. So there's like two grams of sugar, but it's or one, maybe two grams of net carbs total. So you're there might have been a little bit of sugar in there, but most of it's fiber. Maybe that explains why it tastes so damn good. I don't know. There's there's almond butter, there's cacao nibs in there. Like it's it's a great, awesome on the go bar that you can eat and stay keto friendly, stay in ketosis. I have now reached the lowest weight that I've been since the last time I lost weight, which was like six or seven years ago. And I'm not saying that it's because of the keto bar, but I can eat that whenever I want and it's fine. And it's super helpful, it's super tasty. So wild foods, they're a great product. Wildfoods.co, you can go there. You can see the keto bar. You can see everything else. I mean, they've got coffees and teas and everything that we we've we've all eaten a lot of it. I put their pink salt on my steak now that I'm actually learning how to cook steak. It's beautiful. Uh, the pink salt has some like electrolytes in it, which helps with uh, especially ketosis. But go to wildfoods.co, use the code CryptoBasic12, and you can get 12% off your order of keto bars or whatever else you want. And it's great. Do it. Have fun. And they're still the sponsor of the show. Delicious sponsors. Delicious. You know what? One week we got to try doing that ad like Bill Burr style. Have you ever heard how he does his ads? Uh, no. He, he literally is like, Wild Foods. What is this fucking company? And then he starts like saying things, but he starts, he's reading it and then makes fun of the Yeah, the in like his own grumpy way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's really cool. Uh, I don't know if I could pull it off, but we'll try it. Anyway. All right, yes. So the bill that's proposed about trading, et cetera. So we we teased that. We're going to talk about it now. There's a House of Representatives bill on the floor that proposed that cryptocurrency transactions that result in less than $200 profit are ignored, basically. So you only have to pay taxes if your profit is over $200. And according to the study, 95% of the transactions that are on chain would fall under this category. So we obviously it's only a bill that's been introduced. The lawmakers in the U.S. have some other things on their minds right now. So I don't know when this is actually going to go through. I don't really know how that works. Although I guess the House can like go hang out all day now. They're done, but they they can I don't know play baseball or something. So <laughs> like whatever it is, Congress the House American Sport Kareem. That's what you got to <laughs> play. It's baseball. 
So they've introduced this. If it goes through, I think it's a step in the right direction. Now it the bill's confusing. The wording's confusing. I had to I had to look at a couple of different sources and read it myself. But basically the bill got released and then shortly after that, if you look on Reddit, you'll see one of the top posts where they're saying, Oh, this bill is actually bad for us. They're gonna classify this stuff as currency. Therefore, it's gonna be worse with capital gains. That's not what happened. The wording is funky. A lot of like this is excluded, this is excluded, this is what this is. But if you go into it, really what it says is that there is now just going to be an exemption on capital gains for virtual currency that results in less than $200 profit. That's really all it is. It's a lot of wording back and forth. But imagine if you're an IRS auditor and somebody is actually using cryptocurrency like all the time. There's trying to figure out what they've done in these trades. is just basically impossible. So it's a step in the right direction because if I bought a bag of coffee from you, a bag of Wild Foods coffee from you Wild Kareem, food, every month, 12-ounce bag of coffee, and I was paying you in Bitcoin, it would be a taxable event for both of us every single time that I did that, which is no, insane. That's insane. Of course, that doesn't work with dollars. Like I just am able to trade and I could pay you with euros and it wouldn't trigger that. So uh, it's moving in the right direction and I, I like it. I'd like to see it pass. So I'd like to be able to buy my coffee from Kareem at with Bitcoin. That That's that's everybody's goal and dream, I think. <laughs> so as I'm looking at this, our outline here, we got to break this up. We can't have a crypto around the world section. I don't want to talk for the next 40 minutes and then have you talk at the end of the episode. So let's talk about the Zurich real estate thing that we would have put in crypto around the world, but we're just not going to have that drop. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that. We could talk about it now. This was a pretty big transaction. So we've talked before about the idea of blockchain and cryptocurrency starting to really connect with other spaces. So this was a new story that basically there's a building in Zurich uh, in what is considered one of the most exclusive shopping streets that sold for $134 million. But the reason it broke news here is because 20% of that purchase was done with cryptocurrency tokens. So basically, yeah, and not like a cryptocurrency, not like they paid with Bitcoin, no. So the company here, the holding company or the real estate company, Brickmark, is in part a company that's issuing a security token that pays out dividends for rent. So let's say it's almost like owning stock in the company. Okay, well, you own the token, so you own a percentage of the revenue for that company. So here, the selling company, which is like a a legit, pretty big real estate holding company called RFR, they're the ones that bought the Chrysler building. Um, They were the ones that sold here to Brickmark for 134 million and 20%, so a good, you know, I don't know, 26, 27 million dollars was worth in the Brickmark tokens that they just recently issued and that's going to entitle them to future recurring payments on that very property that they just sold. That's so, pretty cool. So I don't know that that exists in the stock market. I, I mean, I know there's real estate investment trusts where you could buy pieces of people investing in real estate, but specifically owning 20% of a building and releasing that in some way where you can have a share that's new. So, so these are basically functioning like real stock shares at this point, this is not really currency, right? No, it, it really, exactly. It's not really currency. It's more like a way to fractionalize the ownership of the rental property. And, you know, one of the points is, I'll be honest with you. A lot of the articles that I was finding on this made it sound like, the way that it was written makes it sound like part of this purchase, the point was to make it a press release, uh, you know, or to like 
show. But the bottom line is still there's a major real estate company that was willing to accept a huge chunk of a $100 million sale in these type of uh, essentially kind of like security offering type things where it's future revenue and you know profit share. So I wonder if these are brickmark tokens or if they yes. are like this building brickmark tokens. So they're just in general. I think they're brickmark tokens. I'm not 100% sure. All I found was that they were created on Ethereum. So it is an Ethereum based token. Now here's the one of the parts that I didn't really and I actually looked around trying to find it but it wasn't explained which is like okay, how do they transfer the value into the blockchain? That's what I want to know, right? Because right. if the rent, if the person paying rent is still paying rent in dollars, then they give it to the, let's say, Brickmark. Now, Brickmark has bank accounts and salaries that they're paying in dollars or euros or whatever, right? So that there's a token ecosystem. How does the revenue, the real world value get transferred to that blockchain? I wonder Is if they it, do something with Ethereum because so so Brickmark it says they're Zug based right and we know that Zug yeah. is like the crypto city right like that's mm-hmm. they're basically the Wyoming of the world so <laughs> they, maybe they just immediately transfer that kind of stuff to Ethereum and then pay it out that I don't know right right so I, I wonder if you get dividends in Brickmark token or if you get dividends in Ethereum yeah. It's a great question. It's a great question. But the bottom line is, you know, this is one of those stories that kind of gets that, um, you know, we're starting to see it. It's early, but these types of deals that involve, you know, and what's to say now RFR, they, maybe they can sell those tokens in the future, fractionalize it. To, you know, it just starts, you know, could you own one tiny little fraction of that? Yeah, you can. Pretty cool. I, I want to own a piece of the Chrysler building. That's that's in Detroit, right? Uh, I think so. I want to own. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe Something I don't want to own a piece of it in Detroit. Never mind. Sorry, Detroiters. Uh, <laughs> I think I stayed there once. I think there was a magic event there, and I stayed at that hotel. I can't. It might have been a Ford building or a GM building. I don't know. Anyway. Uh. So yeah, that's pretty cool. You know what's not cool? What is not cool, Brent? Peter Schiff. He seems like he's kind of a douche. <laughs> and he's kind of, he, I don't know who that is. I don't even know who he is. Like, what should I know about him? I'm sure you know who he is. Yeah, no, I, I do know who he is. Look, Peter Schiff is somebody who is very anti-crypto because he has a vested interest because he sells gold, I think. And his uh, worldview and the fact that his business is challenged, I do think hurts his perspective. Um, but he's also a guy who's been right on a lot of broader picture economic stuff you know like he was one of the guys leading up to 2008 that was saying like this is just gonna crash because investors don't know what they're buying and uh you know he also called the fact that the the fed was gonna essentially go back to quantitative easing and and that we were gonna go right back to cutting interest rates he was right about that so and he's like super libertarian let's say like extreme like any type of government intervention is just terrible by definition all right. So that's that's some context for what's about to happen here. So I wrote this as Peter Schiff is an idiot, but <laughs> we can learn from this. And we should take something from this other than Peter Schiff is an idiot because he really is just I don't know if he's an idiot overall, but he's an idiot in this scenario and he you can see that he's like anyway, we're going to talk about some tweets here, Green. We're we're going to we're going to talk about tweets. So so here's the the quick version. Peter Schiff lost his Bitcoin. Uh, that apparently he had that had been donated to him 
what's funny is if he's a gold guy, I've seen a lot of overlap between the people who really like gold and their reasons and educating them on what Bitcoin is and kind of converting them into be like, hey, you know what? Not the worst idea. So I think he just really doesn't know what it is other than it's not gold and therefore it's bad. If that's the case, I don't know, because a lot of a lot of the reasons for liking them are similar. Yeah, no, but he's been exposed to the argument. He he famously debated like a Bitcoin guy on YouTube. Like he's, you know, he's well, been explained. It, it, what if it's Bitcoin been explained, is. Kareem, we're going to find here that he really doesn't get it. So <laughs> or doesn't uh, want to get it. It may it may have been explained, but uh, he's ha- yeah, maybe he just doesn't want to get it. So here's what first happened. Here's his first tweet. I just lost all the Bitcoin I have ever owned. My wallet got corrupted somehow, and my password is no longer valid. So now not only is my Bitcoin intrinsically worthless, it has no market value either. I knew Bitcoin was a bad idea, but I never realized it was this bad. So did you follow this situation at all? Uh, A little bit. Like when it came out, I saw that he said that, which just, of course, made me think like, okay, so what happened? What did did, like your develop your wallet, whatever wallet you were using? Or I figured it was something user based because, you know. (laughs) Yeah. So, so. Right off the bat, we think that his assertion that his wallet got corrupted somehow is probably incorrect, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that's what that's how I was feeling about this when I was seeing it. I'm like, wallet corrupted somehow. Like what? I mean, maybe he was using one of those scam wallets and they tried to take his money or something. Who knows? But uh, step two says so next his next tweet about it. Since all the Bitcoin in my wallet in my corrupted wallet <laughs> were gifted to me, it's not that great of a tragedy for me that they're lost. Easy come, easy go is especially true for Bitcoin. My plan was to hodl. And go down with the ship anyway. The difference is that my ship sank before Bitcoin. So one, <laughs> I don't know how much Bitcoin this dude had, but why is he holding it if he hates Bitcoin? It's kind of weird. Like, it's, I think he got small amounts as a gift, and he's just like you know whatever. Like, so maybe he, he has like twenty dollars worth, and he's acting like this is a lot or something. Yeah, but like he, you got to remember that this guy has been in the front lines of the Bitcoin versus gold uh debate and he's been on social media on podcast on whatever so it's like you know what i mean like it's it's symbolic or it's he's always trying to make a point about it you know all right so there's seven steps here cream so we're, so we're in step two step three there's so much fake news about how i forgot my wallet password can't bitcoin pumpers be honest about anything i was very clear that i didn't forget my password my wallet no longer recognizes my correct password. Plus, what's up with over 3,000 people liking that I lost my Bitcoin? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, if you hate something and you talk shit about it and then you <laughs> lose it, like, I, I can see why people might like that. I like it. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's funny to me. But, uh, yeah, so his he knows his correct password, Kareem. Doesn't matter how many times he puts it in. It doesn't work. Okay. <laughs> so so he's still on this uh my wallet was corrupted thing right all right let's go to step four had i actually forgotten the password of my bitcoin wallet it would be okay as i would eventually remember it or figure out by trial and error so clearly this guy's not using good security so i'm sure hackers are like <laughs> okay well if you'll eventually remember it i can figure it out uh but since i know my password and it doesn't work there's no way to guess a new random password that may or may not unlock my wallet yeah, it's kind of the point <laughs> that that would be, that would mean you had good security if that was possible. <laughs> so he's he's saying that he's one of those guys who use the same password for everything. I don't think he even realizes that this was if you're interacting with the Bitcoin community, and you literally just said this This is bad for you. 
there's a lot of bad actors here that are going to take this and be like, cool. You're an easy. He doesn't target. have a lot of crypto though. I'm pretty sure. That, well, I, he might have regular money that they can go yeah, steal. Like, tr- there's plenty true. of different ways to get somebody. So, step five. This is where we we start to come full circle. My Bitcoin mystery is solved. So we figured out what happened. I mistook my PIN for my password. <laughs> uh, he was using the blockchain wallet or whatever. There was the company that he was using. When blockchain updated their app, I got logged out. I tried logging logging back in using my PIN which was the only password I have ever known or used. I also never had a copy of my seed phrase. Honest but costly mistake. So this is where I say, where I think we can learn some things here. One, we're going to learn what it's like when somebody like this is wrong and how they, how they address it in a second. But he's considering his pin for the app, not the same as his password for the, for the wallet, which I think I don't know how this wallet works. Maybe there's a small pin that you can use to get in, but when you're logged out, you use a password to get there. I suspect that it's probably his password is his private key that he doesn't know. And his seed phrase is the way to recover that private key, which he also doesn't know. Yeah. Um, Or, or yeah, he's using a third party vendor. You know what I mean? Like if you have cash app logging into your cash app is different than your spending pin or your whatever. Yes. So that it, it may be that that app works like that. I don't know. Uh, so we can even take his word here now that he's he's at least admitting that. Well, actually, I don't know that he's admitting anything. He said, well, I know my pin, but I don't know my password. So that's that's a little bit weird. So step six to clarify, I was not able to recover my Bitcoin since I never actually knew my password, just the pin and never had a copy of my seed phrase. I have no way to recover the Bitcoin. So the problem was not a corrupted wallet but my confusing a pin for a password. So let's go back to the uh, to, to step three. So much fake news about how I forgot my wallet password. <laughs> fake <laughs> like, news. I just want to go back to this fake news thing, which speaking on fake news for a second, the there's, there is, there's a ton of just bullshit news out there, but this phase, this phrase has just been co-opted to mean like this thing that I don't agree with. And it sucks because the legitimate problem of fake news both on the left and right is not going to be addressed anytime soon because now this is just Trump's phrase. So you get to, you get to use it. So we're going on to step seven. A lot of people are making fun of me for confusing my pin with my password. I made a mistake and it cost me my Bitcoin, but confusing Bitcoin for money is a much larger mistake. And those who are making it will lose far more than I did. (laughs) So this app did a bad job. When, when you create, like an engine wallet, for instance, I've used the engine wallet, so I can use them as an example. They won't even let you start your wallet to, fr- to give you your seed phrases. And then they do a challenge before you can even open your wallet. They're like, okay, now give us seed phrase word number three. And you're like, ah, oh, shit. If, I, if you didn't write them down, you got to go back and you got to get right. it right. They're really good ones, too. Yeah. So, so we need more stuff like that while we're still in this, this space where the seed phrase and the private keys are the most important thing. I don't blame this guy for trying to interact in a world that he didn't understand and losing. Now I do blame this guy for going out and debating what Bitcoin is. If he didn't even understand that he needed to write down a private key or a seed phrase, that is literally step one. One of the first episodes we ever created was wallets. And we talked about the differences between private keys and the importance of writing down your seed phrase and where to store it and how to store it. But the so I, I don't like that this guy is 
considered any sort of authority on somebody who can fight or who can argue with people with Bitcoin. But but again, you've got to find people like this because I've legitimately found this in my life that when I actually am able to communicate what Bitcoin is to somebody and I make them understand how the ledger works, how the blockchain works, not just like the the overarching idea of Bitcoin is money that doesn't have like a owner. It's none of that. Like literally just telling them, here's how a ledger works. Here's how the Bitcoin network works. I explain it in terms like that one video, the um, can't remember that guy's name, but uh, he did the the blockchain explainer video. I've gone through that. And anybody that have finally gotten to understand that. Gen- I haven't had anybody. I haven't had anybody actually cut. This is just me. This is anecdotal. I haven't had anybody actually understand Bitcoin thoroughly and then tell me, you know what? Now that I understand it, I appreciate the explanation, but I still think it's a scam or I still think it's going right. to go to zero. So. You know, I suspect if Peter Schiff actually learned about this, that it would be interesting. So I feel bad for anybody that has this problem happen to them. And it's a problem in the space that we need to solve. We need to find like if Bitcoin actually became something that was ubiquitous, there would be classes on how to handle your private keys and stuff like that. If it was the way it is now, it's everything will evolve. But or there won't need to be the classes because of what you said, the good systems that like walk you by the hand almost and don't let you progress without you really, you know, having it locked, yes. you know, if, well done. If you created an engine wallet and you accepted Bitcoin on your engine wallet, there is no excuse for not understanding the difference because it explains it to you and it doesn't let you go forward without writing it down. Now, if you throw that away or you do some stupid shit with it, that's on you. And I can see why people might do that because things like, you know, your uh, what's your best friend's name in high school and that kind of stuff are all over the place and people don't treat them with the respect that they deserve even now. So I can see why if you were logging on your bank and they're like, hey, make sure you have this like picture of a rabbit as backup that you would have an issue with that. Right. But in the end, we do need to get better. We can learn from Peter Schiff here and uh, also think that he's a douche at the same time. That's it. That's all I got for that. And I think it's time to go back around the world and talk about Venezuela. Yeah, man, this is uh, mostly sad news. It's not a particularly long story, but estimates are saying that Venezuela now has less than a billion dollars or about a billion dollars left in cash reserves. You know, needless to say, that's... Jesus. Less than a lot of billionaires around the world. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, it's so, less than a lot of multi-billionaires, Kareem. Right? That's right. They're about on par. So the central bank only has about $800 million left worth of cash. And they say that they have another $200 million in liquid assets. Here's the part where it just kind of shows you the power of sanctions. We've talked about this before on the show. Venezuela actually has uh, about 73 tons of gold that they own, which is very valuable. I mean, I did the math more or less. 73 tons comes out to about $3.6 billion. However... Wow, so four times their net worth as a country right now? uh, That's right. Four times the cash on hand. But here's the problem. They can't move it because of the sanctions and restrictions that the United States has placed on banks, sellers, buyers interacting with the Venezuelan market. And it's even worse than that. 32 tons of that gold, and this is like really weird. I have, (laughs) I don't even know how to feel about this. 32 tons of that gold is in London in the Bank of England. Maduro has asked for that gold to be basically sent back, repatriated. But the Bank of England 
doesn't recognize Maduro as the legitimate leader of Venezuela. Therefore, they won't release the gold, which considering the fact that Maduro is like one of the worst leaders and all this stuff. And then it's like, okay, good. Yeah, don't give him the resources. We've seen dictators squander resources before. Or like abscond with them. Like he could be trying to grab it so he can get out of the country or something. Yeah, or he's going to sell it so that he can pay the military so he can maintain it. You know what I mean? Like I get all that. Um, On the other hand, I also don't know how I feel about a bank in England or Germany or whatever being able to say, no, you know what? You... You're not the real leader. So all of this gold that's your country's that now your government's asking for, uh, we don't think you are the right person. So we're, it's ours until it's not ours, but it's not yours either. You know what I mean? Like it's really not your weird. keys, not your Bitcoin. Kareem. No, well, <laughs> in this situation, so I haven't followed a ton of this, but I was reading about how like the guy who was supposed to replace Maduro uh, was supposed to come in and take the oath of office, and they had to like fight through people to get in there and then when they got into the building the people that were loyal to maduro shut off the power to the building so they couldn't even like broadcast via wi-fi this guy swearing in so they had to take pictures and do video in the dark while he's like got his hand on the bible or whatever he's doing and he's trying to take the oath of office so but the problem is this guy is um it's like their speaker of the house and that right, like his claim to the presidency is just backed by um, outside government. So like the United States government and some European governments support him. But it's kind of, it would literally almost be like if Nancy Pelosi was like, Trump is not a legitimate president and the Republicans are clearly blocking impeachment. He committed crimes. He lost the popular vote, right? Therefore, I'm the legitimate president of the United States. And then Germany and China and some other countries decided, yeah, we agree. We recognize Nancy Pelosi as the president of the United States. Like, yeah. I'm not saying Trump is good or he's not a criminal or he shouldn't, you know, mm-hmm. like he's awful. But that's also not how the leadership of countries is established. So it's kind of, a, you know, a weird spot. It is the comparison. That's not a direct comparison. I think like a more apt comparison would be if Trump was still in office in 30 years and whoever the Speaker of the House is then was like, look, this is uh, this is over. We're fucking taking this back. And, yeah. you know, yeah. that's it, it's it's definitely like we, we can't really stick up for Maduro here. I don't I'm not sticking up for Maduro at yeah, all. Yeah. I'm not. Trust me. <laughs> it, it's definitely a tough spot. I, I think they're probably making the right decision, but it's significantly hurting their economy. And yeah, if they can't sell the gold because literally everybody's like, oh. you can't, you can't work with them. That's, that's us messing with the country. You know, like he doesn't it, even have access to the gold in London, right? Yeah. Like might as well not have it. Anyway, yeah. it looks like he's going to run out of money pretty soon. So that, that story is going to. Yeah. And the, and <laughs> the, the army loyal to him is only going to be loyal to him as long as they're being paid to be loyal to him. That's so right. that's it, right. it, it is a very interesting case study to watch Venezuela go down. I'm sure there's a whole podcast there about the daily goings on of of venezuela and what happens there i read i read that uh the local bitcoins transaction it's like up to 50 percent of local bitcoins was done in venezuela it's kind of crazy so Mm. the venezuelan people are really getting screwed over in this and i hope that everything comes out okay and people don't die i agree so that's it (sighs) so speaking of a country that uh is having a not your keys not your crypto problem we're moving on to Canada 
And <laughs> I guess I could have put this in crypto around the world. It feels like Canada's next door, but I, I, I saw this. They are actually working on legislation that clearly is a response to what happened with Quadriga CX, but they uh-huh. are working on legislation that is going to push the not your keys, not your crypto narrative even further than it's been pushed anywhere before. The CSA, their equivalent of the SEC, has released a notice that they intend to propose the elimination of internal ledgers unless the exchange registers those internal ledgers as a security. So there's no more like they're not going to have these exchanges that tell you what your balance is. And then when you try to cash out, you know, some guy actually faked his death and like you can't do anything. So they uh, if you want to have those internal ledgers, it's fine. But you have to go through the process to register as a security and those internal ledgers are going to function that way. Now, if you go back to like stocks in the stock market, uh, stocks are actually pieces of paper that these brokers will hold on to. So the stock brokers have to register with the SEC because they are holding a physical asset and then telling you you have it. I think it's still possible for you to say, I want my damn ticket and to go get it from your broker. I don't, I don't actually know, so don't quote me on that. But I know that that's what stocks were originally. So I don't know uh, how far we've gone past that. So if the, in order to solve this situation, they would probably have to have some sort of like wrapped Bitcoin scenario because the Bitcoin ledger can't handle this. We know that. We know this would be the end of Bitcoin trading as a, as a rule in Canada if every exchange all of a sudden had to do this. Uh, so I'm sure there's a time period for when this needs to be implemented uh, and will give these companies enough time to apply. But But you cannot have these transactions I, I there's probably no ledger that can handle these w- with orders we've talked about decentralized exchanges and even when you're doing like four thousand five thousand transactions per second that's nothing compared to what happens on an exchange that's used by a lot of people those transactions right. are going to happen constantly and way more than four thousand a second so you no ledger can really handle that so they're saying basically if you're in there and you're using an address that address has to have the real bitcoin for instant delivery or else it's a security. So that'll be interesting to to watch the repercussions go and yeah, watch that go down. I'm I'm definitely interested in watching how that works and decentralized exchanges forming out of that and or just better practices for the internal auditing process. We don't get any more of this ah, I got it in my head guys, it's fine. Oh wait, <laughs> but uh, oop, I sort of died. <laughs> All right. Well, since you kind of finished us off with Canada, I got one more Canadian related story for you that I think you're going to enjoy. Oh, snap. Yeah. This is in our that's a scam category. No, 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 no. That's a scam. (laughs) And we got a famous, I mean, this guy really tip of the hat, tip of the hat, wag of the finger. So this convicted hedge fund fraudster decided to play around in the crypto world, Brent. Now, It's pretty interesting. This guy went all out. So he's already been convicted in the securities world. So he decided to uh, create a company and then he showed up to the company with a fake name and and a fake job so people wouldn't Google him and he was pretending to be somebody else completely. Now, the guy's real name, he's a Canadian named Boaz Manor, but he decided that his alias was Sean McDonald, a just humble... Yeah, he was just a humble product design and management consultant for this cryptocurrency company. So you're telling me a guy, now I haven't seen this guy's picture, but his first name is Boaz, Mm -hmm. can somehow pass for an Irishman, or I guess MacDonald is going to be Scottish. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> I don't know. Well, this guy went all out. He would uh, grow or not grow facial hair depending on his disguise. They dye his uh, hair different colors. Wow. So here's basically what happened is the people at the company found out who he was. And they all quit in mass. And this guy's like offended. You know, he thinks it's an overreaction because he's like, oh, well, if anybody needed to know who I was originally, my real name, I would tell them. But basically, here's what he was doing. So wait, let me just... So, so they knew he was a scammer before or something? Like, is No, no, no. So for, this is basically what this guy did. He founded a company that... And then pretended wait, to work wait, for the company. You're not going to guess this one. Oh, had boy. some proprietary... The, an algorithm with some proprietary trading knowledge. Imagine that. You know, <laughs> do, 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 do math magic. I made more money. Some massive uh, return. Yeah, okay, got it. Correct, correct. Okay, so now here's what the guy does now. He doesn't want people to know that he's the owner. He realizes that that's probably too sketchy. They might figure <laughs> out that he's lying about who he is and Google him. So instead, he has this buddy whose name is Edith Pardo. He's a 68-year-old attorney. And then he just lies and says that he invested $3 million in the company. The dude doesn't run the company or get involved in it with it or whatever. It's just a front so that this guy can pretend that that other guy's the boss. And he just comes in and he's like, oh, I'm just a product designer. But do this, 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 this. And he, somebody catches up to what he's doing. They look him up. Turns out he had stolen $100 million from a hedge fund that he was running. He was sent to jail and he was released from prison early. Even, the, but he was given a lifetime ban on this uh, securities industry. So of course, this guy's like, "Oh, well, that's the securities industry. I don't. I'm not banned from scamming in crypto." <laughs> you know, dyes his hair, grows a beard, and then he like literally goes on YouTube and stuff, and apparently does interviews as this fake person pushing this fake company that he's lying about other companies paying millions of dollars to use this training or this algorithm. Long story short. His buddy that was helping him by putting up a front got arrested, and this guy is somewhere at large. <laughs> wow. So that is amazing. He literally put on the fake mustache, and he's like <laughs> undercover bossing it, <laughs> except scamming people. What? Me, scammer? No, no. I'm just, uh, I just designed I the product. Uh, McDonald, not the Boaz. <laughs> Oh, yes. Oh, oh yes. That's me. That used to be me. Yeah. That. <laughs> uh, I want to watch some of these interviews now just to see, like, how much this guy puts puts on the act for, like, what he's doing. Does he get that, that real thick Scottish accent? Does he, <laughs> like, swear every other word? Or uh, Interesting. Hey, Boas, I'm Sean McDonald, laddie. <laughs> <laughs> Heir to the McDonald's franchise. <laughs> He's wearing a kilt. That's great. But man, I feel bad for Canada, man. They are really dealing with some bullshit up there. Yeah, they're too nice, and the scammers love it. They're like, oh, you know who's going to be a sucker? Bunch of Canadians. They're so polite, nobody will call me out. Yeah. This is the problem, Canada. You know what? Good on Canada, though, because all these employees figured out who this guy was, and they all quit. Yeah. I feel like in the U.S., they'd be like, well... Well, I I need the job. I need the job, and we'll just... uh, no I benefits or health care, but uh, mm, yeah, we, we do I need health care. Half off at lunch. <laughs> we'll just, uh, yeah, it's fun. yeah. I, I don't know. It, it's kind of a joke, but I feel like that happens here all the time when people, when people in companies see something bad or see a scam. It's more like, well, I'm just kind of in on it now, and oh, I got a raise. Imagine that. Yeah. Interesting. 
All right, Hi, well, brother. That, I think that's it for stories. So anything else you want to close out the show with? That uh, wraps us. Uh, let's see. How many days are in January? There's 31. So we will mention all the Patreon members that have contributed on the next episode and their monthly shout out. But let us know if you see if you liked the new format. Uh, let us know things that you're interested in seeing going forward. I am trying to schedule interviews with new uh, with new founders for new one on ones on projects. We've, we've gotten the feedback that having the founder on and asking them the questions or a member of the team ended up being a really good format. Unfortunately, they're harder to schedule, especially with the top coins, because uh, they, they have better things to do. So I'm not going to be able to get Vitalik on here to talk about Ethereum. But there are <laughs> some people that I might be able to get on board. So we're going to go through that. Our website got a little bit of a redesign, too, if you guys want to check that out. It's just a little bit easier to go around and find those episodes. And otherwise, check out our Patreon and our Discord two coolest places to interact with us and that's it we're not financial advisors we're idiots most of the things we say anything we say not most of them all of them are just our opinions for entertainment whether we're entertaining or not we don't really care how you think about that we just know that that's what we're here for and that's what we're going to do so tell your lawyer we're not interested like kareem says all the time just that one time but i've been saying it for years since and uh, we're gonna we're gonna wrap episode. I don't know. It's like two hundred and twenty five or something like that. It's a lot of episodes, man. It's a lot of hours. That's like almost as many hours as I played The Witcher. Ooh, did you play The Witcher? Yeah, I had to before the show came out. My man, such a good show. I just recently played it. It's a great game, great show. Fantastic. All right, see right. everybody later. Sayonara.